0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, June 18th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscripts. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verses... Verses 32 to 40, to finish up chapter 11. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since god has provided had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect let's pray together our heavenly father we come before you this morning again with just Praise and gratefulness in our hearts and thanksgiving for you've given us another day. And your mercies are new every morning even as we've sung, uh, about your gospel, about your goodness to us in Christ. We just come this morning and, and we gather as your people, as the church here, um, meeting in, in the YMCA. And we are so grateful. Most of all, we are grateful for salvation. In the Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we stand. And Father, as we approach this text this morning about faith, and we and we summarize chapter eleven, and we just pray that you would you would just work in our hearts, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that He would increase. I pray that that I, that we would decrease. And as always, as I pray that he, Father, just work through your word. May you be the center of teaching today, not me. Um, Father, I pray that you would just, again, use these words. We give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The sermon title this morning is just uh, not very creative, as I'm not very on my titles, just a summary of faith. And we come to the end of chapter 11. And so if anyone is, anybody counting the sermons through, through number 11, can you take a guess how many and what number this is? This is number 16 today through Hebrews chapter 11. And what a blessing it has been for me and hopefully for us to delve more deeply into the lives of so many Old Testament saints. This, as Hebrews 12 will tell us, this great cloud of witnesses All of whom God commended them for their faith. And the same principle stands today. God is pleased with faith, He's he's pleased with the faith of His people. Faith is, is the most precious gift, for through it we receive the promises of God, we receive God Himself through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are united to Christ by faith. And by faith we are saved. Therefore, it's of utmost importance that we know and that we understand all that we can and all that the Bible teaches us about faith. So today, with that in mind, I have four parts to this sermon in order to summarize chapter 11 and and move us on next week, Lord willing, to chapter 12. So four parts that will serve as a summary. Here are the parts. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. Part one, we're going to look at those who received, were the recipients of faith, the people that are involved. Number two, the achievements of faith, what they did. These exciting things there that we're going to see in these verses. Number three, the sustaining power of faith in God's people. And then very briefly at the end, the goal of faith. And so, with that in mind, let's get going with with truth number one from this text. The recipients of faith. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews, after highlighting so many men and women in chapter 11, that he also realizes, hey, it's time to move on here with the rest of this chapter. He says in verse 32, What more shall I say? For time would fail me. In other words, he's saying, I'm just giving you a few there's so many more. And if I were to jump into all those, time would fail me. And so I'm following his example today by not preaching a sermon on the rest of those few people there in these verses. Because time would maybe, maybe fail me. So in, in verse 32, though, the author mentions six specific people. And, the, and then the prophets as a group of those who are examples of faith. He mentions individuals. And groups of people, which include the judges. <clears throat> this is Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah. And then Samuel, who's transitioning. He's still a judge, but he's also a priest. So he mentions Samuel, the priest. He mentions David, who is a king. And then he mentions the prophets in general. And he mentions that, he says that all of these people were examples of faith. And so these Hebrews that he's writing to, all of your forefathers... Think about all of what God has done in their lives. And all of these people are people of faith. And then in verse 35, he mentions women. <clears throat> Particularly, I think two women in the Old Testament who received their their children. They were raised from the dead. This is referring to 1 Kings 17 with when Elijah prayed for the, the widow's son to be raised. And then Elisha prayed for the Gentile, the Shunammite woman, and also her son to be raised from the dead. And so in the, <clears throat> we don't see in these texts scores of other folks that had faith. And so, thinking about the recipients of faith, okay, we sit here today, we are also recipients of faith. But what are some things that we can learn about the recipients of faith? I have four things that we can learn still under truth number one. First one. This group represents every kind of person. Gideon, he was a farmer. Barak, he was a soldier. Samson was a religious Nazarite. David was the youngest of his family, but then he was was also a shepherd, and then he would become a king. Samuel was a young man used by God greatly as a young man, and he would later lead Israel in their transition time there to the kings. Jephthah, he was an illegitimate child. And he mentions him, but God used him as a man of faith. There are widows that are not named. And in the circumstances pictured in this text represent every kind of person in the world. So when we think about people who have faith, and we think about us sitting here today, they're, they're rich, they're poor, they're men, they're women, there are there are folks with with various types of of skin colors, people throughout all of the world. They're young, they're old, they're strong, there's weak. All of these people and lots more that I could mention this morning. But the application for us, very briefly, of this truth is that God is no respecter of persons. He is concerned with faith. So no matter where you are, what your status is, what your gender is, what your color of your skin is, how much money, it doesn't matter. God is concerned with faith. And He is no respecter of persons. So that's one thing we can learn. Another thing we can learn People of faith live in the best of times and in the worst of times. It's interesting that four of the examples are judges, and then Samuel, who's a transition, But so five, we we would say. But four of the examples that he gives in in these verses lived in what is easily considered the lowest time of morality. In Israel's history, the times of the judges. And have anybody has anybody read Judges recently? I'm just curious. Put your hands up. Through quiet times, it's amazing. And if you haven't recently, you've read them in the past, you're like, why is this in the Bible? Like, these people are acting like this and they're doing these things. It's crazy what is going on. We find Barak was first Gideon. Excuse me, we're gonna get to them in a minute. But we find all these folks that are just very immoral, and throughout history, if we consider all of the the civilizations, the cultures, the governments in this fallen world, there are periods of, I think, times of, of good morality, and it's depending on the culture and the civilization and the government and things that are going on, but we see great times of, of morality, and then we see other times of just striking immorality in the world, but through all of them, God has a remnant. He has a people of faith that go through all of these times. Also, there, there are times of peace, times of prosperity, and even a strong sense of, of morality. I think we, <clears throat> with David, particularly the end of his time there, and with Solomon, we see the kings of Israel, they're, they're holding to the laws and the commands of Moses, and we see great peace. And we see great morality with David and with Solomon. And, and then we'd see some kings that would go way down and take them way down. And then we'd see other kings come back and get rid of all the, 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 the gods. And we see changes in morality and peace and prosperity. I think we might argue even from early on with our country in America's history, we experienced some pretty, pretty clear morality early on in our history. But all of these examples abound in the world and are changing with the providence of God in every place, in every culture. They're coming, they're going. But you know what? People of faith are always there. This means that by the grace of God, we can live in the best of times or we can live in the worst of times. God is concerned with faith. Another thing we can learn People of faith are far from perfect. Anybody perfect in here? Husbands, wives, turn over and look at one another. Perfect? Absolutely not. Gideon, he didn't just obey God, but he kept asking God for signs to trust. And God was gracious with Gideon showing the signs. Barak, great commander of the army. He was fearful, so he went to, to, to Deborah, the prophetess, to give him great help. Samson, think about Samson. I, probably the, the biggest example for me, when I, when I just read the text, I think this man was not very moral. He was a really a partying, proud, questioner of his parents' wisdom, <clears throat> lover of foreign women, loved to tell riddles. I mean, look at his life, and you're like, wow, man of faith, man of faith. <clears throat> I think of Jephthah. He isn't an illegitimate child. He hung out with the wrong people. But he was a man of faith. Very, very interesting. David. What did he do? King David. He committed adultery. He lied. He deceived. And then he murdered the, 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 the woman's husband. Who was a, one of his mighty men. Had he murdered. Yet... <laughs> Through all of this, the hall of faith here in Hebrews 11 is filled with imperfect people. We we know the Bible says, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. So we have no problem with this. And much of our families, from time to time, in different seasons, looks more like a soap opera than we really want to think or imagine. Yet... We're going to come, I'm going to answer some of these questions that we might be thinking about, these imperfect people, but these folks are commended for their faith. They are different than the rest of the world. Another thing we can learn, finally, from just the recipients of faith. Their faith is evident in their endurance. And we've gone over this throughout Hebrews 11. You've heard this word, probably been the point of, you know, five or six of the sermons. Through all life's persecutions, through all our hardships, through all our victories, through all whatever comes, all our lows, faith endures through it all. With our examples with Hebrews 11, they did not fall away. When they were victorious and they had great prosperity, they did not forsake God. They did not turn to the things of the world. They continued to trust God. When they were down. When they suffered, they did not forsake God. They endured. And so these four truths, I think, are universal when it comes to faith. We are no different as we are the recipients of faith this morning. Truth number two, part number two of the sermon. We've looked at the recipients. Now let's think about their achievements, particularly the the good achievements. The first half of our text is filled with really, we don't read anything like it in the Bible with a summary of the glorious achievements of God's people by faith. So let's just walk through these for just a moment. I'm just going to walk us through them. First thing we see here is they, they conquered kingdoms, if you want to look at the text there. So they conquered kingdoms. Here are the reference is really the conquest of Canaan as Joshua led them into the promised land, beginning with Jericho. We we preached a couple sermons on Jericho and Rahab. Then this continues with David as he conquers all the enemies. When Solomon comes, comes into power, there is peace. They're all conquered. They enforced justice, the text says. The literal translation is wrought righteousness. He speaks of, I think this is the, just a reference to Israel's judges. During a time of great immorality, they did what was right and they judged Rightly, but the wider scope of this meaning, raw righteousness, is is really godly living. God's people did live; who lived by faith lived godly, and God's people of faith have always stood out as people of righteousness. Righteousness. If you are a person of faith today, and you're going to work, and children look up here at me, you're going to school. You're going to hang out with your friends. You're going to your your places where you go, particularly to work. You should stand out. Over a period of time, people will know that person's different than the world. And we should know that. And that's what we see with people of faith. As we keep going through this, they obtain promises. We think about Gideon. God promised to give the Midianites in battle, promised to give them. We see tons of promises. God gave the land of Canaan to Joshua, to Israel. God gave the kingdom to David. And today, we will see later as the book of Hebrews, the point of of, the book of Hebrews is God gave us his son. They stopped the mouths of lions. One of my favorite stories. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Why? You could say because of the way he acted. He didn't didn't follow the king's commands to worship in, in their way. And he was thrown into the lion's den. Well, it's faith. He slept peacefully with the lions. They quenched the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There they were thrown into the fiery furnace by faith. They said, they said King, even if God does not save us physically, we will not bow down to you. Why would they do that? Faith. They, <clears throat> they escaped the edge of the sword. How many times did Saul throw his javelin at David and miss him? <laughs> God was keeping David through all of this. How about Elijah? He ran after the great miracle and the fire coming down from heaven there on Mount Carmel. He ran away because Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. He ran away and he he escaped the edge of the sword. Then the text continues. They were made strong out of weakness. I think of Samson. At the end of his life, that's where you see his faith. Through it all, all of his immorality, End of his life, he has no eyes. They put him in the theater there, in front of thousands, probably. We don't know, but they're there watching the, their great enemy. And what <clears throat> what does he do? He prays and he pushes the pillars, the foundations, and they come down. They were made strong out of weakness, because who would have ever thought such a thing? Yet by faith, you know, we see these are the kinds of things that happen in, in all of these lives and happen in our lives as well. They became mighty in war and they put foreign armies to flight. How many times in the Old Testament do we see Israel miraculously defeat their enemies? Over God says, "Go up, you will take them." And they're not supposed to take them. How many times is their army smaller or not as good or not as powerful, yet they take their enemies? It's by faith. The final achievement here is probably the greatest of all. We see we see To widows, particularly in the Old Testament, receiving back the dead by resurrection. I mean, the greatest enemy, death, is defeated here in the Old Testament. Which is just a picture of the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection as well in Christ. So, when I think about all these things, and as we think about these big achievements... I have a big question. Here's the question. Think about the context of the book of Hebrews. My question is this. Did the Hebrews experience such achievements? So when we come to them and all these Hebrews back 2,000 years ago are listening to this letter and they read reading get to this verses. <coughs> did the Hebrews themselves there Experienced these things, these achievements, these achievements. They did not, not at all, at least not in the same sort. Yet, they had the exact same faith. So let me ask, what was their experience, the Hebrews? Well, they had come to Christ, and so they went against Judaism. They went against the law of Moses and and. I mean, the, the ways of Moses and all the things that they were doing, Pharisees and the Sadducees and their religious traditions particularly, they were going against these things and they were trusting in Christ. What was happening to them? Look over at chapter 10, okay, verses 32 to 34. He says, but remember, recall, former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. Sometimes being partners, partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Anybody in here had their property plundered because you named the name of Christ? I don't think we have. There may be some, not, at least not here, but it, brothers and sisters, it is happening all over the world, and it happened with them. And though their ancestors, that the writer of this letter is speaking about, their ancestors experienced these achievements, they did not. This is why in the next verses, speaking of faith, the next verses are going to speak about times of persecution, times of suffering which we will get to in a moment. But I think the author is saying, as they're receiving this letter, and they're thinking about the faith of their fathers, the Old Testament saints, and they're looking at their lives, and they're trusting in Christ, and they're going, what's going on here? We're supposed to be having these things happen to us, and look at us. We're being persecuted. We are suffering. I think that's the reason that we see this. I think, I think the author is saying, you may think... You also will achieve such things, but what if in God's loving providence you do not experience these things that we just mentioned? Maybe they were thinking, well, since this is not our experience, do we even have faith? He is saying, as we're going to see in the next verses, that their faith will be displayed in different ways than what, you, what we just read about. Particularly through suffering. So with that in mind, I have just a, a few applications. First application for us. There is nothing of any kind that can be overcome when a person has faith. Jesus says, faith, <coughs> your faith, it has overcome. Because I have overcome the world. Faith will conquer everything. There will be nothing left. There's nothing too hard for God. And God will accomplish all of His purposes through His people of faith. Now this is the way that God has designed faith. Whether it's here and up, or whether it's down, through suffering, and through anxieties, and through depressions, and through the sicknesses, and through All of these things that happen to us in this evil world and and the persecutions and the sufferings for naming the name of Christ, God will receive the glory because we're going to act differently than the world and we're going to keep going. Another application. Faith is the same through both great achievements and when these achievements are lacking. So when we think about just in our culture, what does this say about the health and the wealth, prosperity, movement? When we, when we listen to so many, if you want to go on the TV and the radio and, and, and places and read, you know, this is your best life and God will bless you with all of these physical things with prosperity and with health. What does it say about such things? If in God's providence, that is not our lot. Here Ground- I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it's a great mystery because God gives and God takes away. But what does it say about some folks that believe that we lack faith when we pray for someone to heal or to raise someone from the dead and then God does not do that. God does not heal at that time. Now, I believe God heals. I believe we should pray, but when God does not heal, that doesn't mean I know that verse says we lack faith. That's another text, another context altogether. But in reg- as regards faith, what does it mean for those who say, man, it just gets you down. God, I don't have enough faith. We shouldn't do that. It is clear, <clears throat> I think, that the letters to the churches and the, tr- and the Christians in the first century were written not to those who experience what we, we just read about in verses 33 to 35. But instead, what we see in verses 36 to 38. Now, when we think about the apostles, yes, they did great miracles, did they not? But what was their experience? Suffering. All of them, except for John, were, were martyred, were they not? And then John probably had it worse, he wasn't martyred. because he, he was, Then he was exiled off to Patmos, all of them. The overwhelming message of Christ and the New Testament, we, if you just go read it, who were they written to? So I think the, the, the application for us is this: those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Second Timothy 3:12. Maybe we are not persecuted. Because we don't have a great desire for godliness. We have to ask ourselves that question. Or maybe we're not willing to do what is hard and sacrifice and not do what the world does. I don't know. Another application. There will be great achievements. I think the overwhelming message is written to those who suffer in the New Testament those who are persecuted. But when we think of even the future, and the Bible speaks a lot about hope laid up in heaven, I think of Romans 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, We are saved. And we know that for those who love God, what? He works all things for our good. So yes, in Christ, now, Hebrews tells us, now, now. Yes, we have come to the heavenly city. Yes, the Bible says we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. Yes, Christ is ruling now. But there are still things to come. So with that in mind, let's move on to truth number three this morning. We've looked at the recipients and we've looked at the achievements. Now number three, the sustaining power of faith. This is where most of our application is going to come today. Look at verses 36 to 38. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. One of my favorite sentences or partial sentences in all the Bible. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Here we see the other side of the great, the great achievements of faith. We see people of faith enduring suffering and persecutions this was the experience of the hebrews and this is the experience of many many christians in the world think of the apostle paul he was mocked he was beaten he was stoned he was shipwrecked he was thrown into prison why why did he not give up and say you know what i was mistaken about christ i really should not be believing in him no. It's faith. Something happened in him. History tells us Peter. Think about Peter. Why did Peter, when they were going to hang him on the cross like the Lord Jesus, he says, no, I'm not worthy. You must turn me upside down. So as tradition goes. Why would he do that? Faith. Think about Martin Luther who was the Catalyst for the modern, for the reformation of the church in the 16th century. When the king asked him to recant and say, you know what? We'll just give you a chance here to recant and all this will be done with. What does he say? Listen to these words. It's a long sentence here, but listen to these words from Martin Luther. He stands before the king at the Diet of Worms. Since your most serene majesty and your highness, speaking of the king, require of me a simple, clear, and direct answer, I will give you one. And it is this, I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the Council, because it is clear that they have fallen into error. If, then I am not convinced by proof from the Holy Scriptures or by cogent reasons, if I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's word, I neither can nor will retract, retract anything. I, <clears throat> here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. And he sat down. So let me ask you, why, as a young, say, high school student, In the public school system, do you not want to go along with your peers when they ask you to look at something on your phone that you know is ungodly? Or to go someplace that you know you should not be going to? Why would you say no and then them, you not be the popular one? Why would you ever do that? Why if you are, I think about my own life. Why, if you are a college athlete, which we've had quite a few in our congregation, why, if the majority of your team says, come over here, and they, they beg you to come along in their ungodliness and their worldliness, and then you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would you do that? It's faith. Why? I mean, I, I, this week, I know JB and, and, and Weston went to the abortion clinic, and I've been down there. Some of us have been down there before, what? Why would you go down there and stand there and have people jeer at you and curse you and do all kinds of things? Why would you do that? On and on we could go. Could we not? With examples of godliness or standing firm for what we believe the gospel is and what the Bible teaches us. On and on we could go. Why do we do these things? It is faith. Faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel? The gospel. Well, this is what faith believes. If you are a person of faith, here's what you believe. You believe in the incarnation that God took on flesh. You believe that he lived 33 years as a sinless man. You believe that. You believe that then he laid down his life as a sacrifice for your sins. And that God accepted that sacrifice. You believe that. You believe that He rose again and that now He sits at the right hand of the Father. And by faith, you are united to Him and sit there with Him by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what you believe. You believe He is coming again in glory. You believe in a better city, a heavenly city. Why do you believe these things? Why do you not do what the world says? Because of faith. This is the difference between us and the small group here in Landis and China Grove that meets at Grace Baptist. And these small little churches all over the world. In some places, majority paganism. Can't think of all the countries that are just just grossly Islamic. There they go. There they meet. Why would they do that? It's faith. Faith. So let me remind us, faith is a gift, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, a gift from God. And so this faith that we receive is life. It is powerful, (laughs) powerful to eternal life, powerful to new life, powerful. Do you remember last week, those of you who were here and we listened to, to Brother Jimmy preach, preached on Nicodemus. He preached that God does something in the heart. Well, this is not faith. This is, I would say, pre-faith. This is regeneration. But faith then comes from the new birth. And the Bible says, unless you have been born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So this, just at my house, we've got this nice place to sit. We go out, Kristen's got it looking all nice. And we've got lots of folks in, size in, Cave's in, everybody's in. Seems like Mark's in, Trish is in. So we're all sitting out there. Well, we've got lice flowers hanging everywhere. Well, one of our flowers is a fern. It's not a flower, it's a, it's a green plant, okay? It's a fern. Anybody got ferns? No, why we like them so much, because we've got to water, water them all the time, and they're just going to go brown at some point. But we like ferns. Well, you know who else likes ferns better than we do? Birds, Mama, you're in the back. Got four birds in your fern. Well, we've got one bird in our fern, but you know what that bird does when the mama goes away? It just sits there. But when the mama comes back, what does it do? It just oh. You ever seen a bird open its mouth? Well, this is this is what happens when the new birth comes. Faith opens up the mouth. Faith receives what the mama bird gives, which faith receives God's promises. And so this is my experience. As I look back to my time at Appalachian, became a believer there and made great decisions. But it it was not something that that came from me. It came from God. Regeneration, new birth and faith. This is why I made the, the changes that I made in my lifestyle. Those of you who knew me back then know the huge changes. Some of us who are Christians, I don't presume that everyone is Christians here today, but those of us who are Christians know exactly what I'm talking about. Because before you became a Christian, where was the power to live? Where was the desire to live godly? It was just works, just going through the motions. But when faith comes, boy, it goes down. It, It is powerful. So I must remind us of this. And so, faith produces fruit. Whether that be the fruits of great accomplishments, or when we go through suffering and persecutions and anxiety and depression and things in this world, how we respond through those things is just as precious in God's sight as the tearing down of the walls of Jericho. No matter who you are. And I, I could... I could as your pastor and as your elders, I could go through your lives and say, man, that, I've seen that, and I've seen that, and I've seen how you live, and I've seen what you've done. I've seen how you've endured and say that's faith. And I won't call anybody out, but, but I could. But we must not be surprised. Let me say by, before going on to some applications. We must not be surprised either way, ups or downs. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and 13. Beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Application. There is nothing more valuable than faith. Whatever you think that you got in this life, that is valuable. There is nothing more valuable than faith. And that's really because faith looks unto Christ. Who is the greatest of value. But there's nothing more valuable than faith. Look at verse 38. This is my sentence that I love so much. Speaking of these people. That, that he's just written about. Of whom the world is not worthy. That is this evil world opposed to to God the world is not worthy faith what it does when it comes and when the people of the world see it that faith turns what the world thinks is normal and right upside down <laughs> and is contrary to the ways of the world just this past week I read an article about a Christian group trying to meet in a convention center in Quebec in Canada, they were turned down because of their stance on abortion. They were turned down just to come meet in a civic center in Quebec. Now, there are many, many examples I could give. There are many examples from the text, but this is an example of what is going on in the world. In the world's minds, Christians of Hebrews 11 and us if we are standing up and they know we are christians but the world looks at us and says you are not worthy you are different than we are you are not valuable the world says to you if you have a person of faith come on with me you get on my ship you get on board with me and if you do then you are worthy they are saying the world says be like us Act like us, accept the 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 way we think, our our culture, our worldview. And if you do, we approve of you. That's what the world says. And that's the world's saying. And that's what makes it so hard, I think, for those who 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 grow up in Christian homes who yet do not have faith and their heart is pulled towards the world the heart is pulled towards the things of this world and the popular folks and the and the money and the things and the jobs and all of the thing this world has to give that's why it's so hard because it's not until the new birth comes it's not until faith comes that the that the baby bird's mouth opens up and says that is and if you're a Christian you know exactly what I'm talking about but the world says come on Romans 1.32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. And it's, here's, here's an indication that the world knows something's going on about God and morality and righteousness. They not only <clears throat> do them, but they give approval of those who practice them. So then when we jump on board with the world and actually do what is evil, even example with the whole mixing of the gender stuff going on today. Get on board. It's, it's like we've gone down the hole, Alice in Wonderland, and we're down the hole, and it's all turned upside down, and the world knows it's wrong, but yet it says, come on along and do it with us, and then we'll approve of you. That's, that's a good example of what's going on in our culture. The world loves its own. The world cherishes its own. The world elevates its own. But, what does God say? God commends and counts those with faith. What does it say here? Those who were mocked, those who were flogged, those who were in chains and imprisonment, those that were sawn in two, those who were killed with a sword, those who went about and skins of, of sheep and goats and destitute and afflicted. Of those, God says, your faith. I commend it. And it is, it is. You are valuable. I would argue that the one that one sufferer with faith is more worthy than the entire world. One person. And who is our example? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one example. When you read the Bible, He did everything right according to God's way. And not did He only do them right; He loved in His heart when He did them right. And that's our problem because we do right. We do what's right. When we come to church. We do what's right, but in our hearts, we we don't love and we don't do what's right. And so our affections are mixed. But such is faith. But our, our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, three. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. A couple applications before closing the sermon out today. But application. Faith displays the great worth of the glory of God. God, he is the one that orchestrates in his providence everything that's come your way. Persecutions, weaknesses, sicknesses, anxieties, depressions. Whatever it is and how good or how bad they may come. God allows them in His providence. Why? So that when we come through them by faith, particularly one day, but even now, who gets the glory? They say, how do, how, how do you make it when... I don't see how you can, you can stand when you've gone through so much suffering. How can you do that? Well, the only thing we can do is say, because of faith I have in God, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would urge you this morning as a pastor no matter what is going on, to come to God by faith as the good Father and give Him the glory for the good and the bad. Another application. Both great achievements and the sustaining power of faith in suffering and persecutions are the same. I already mentioned this. There's no difference. Therefore, we must accept... Whatever comes our way. I know it's easy to say. You say, John, you're standing up there preaching this sermon. You don't have anything going on right now. Well, we don't know what's going on in everybody's lives. But I know a lot about what's going on in your lives as your pastor. So I know there are the difficulties there. And we know that. So we must either accept them good or accept them bad. Both achievements. Another application. Christ knows your sufferings. That's one of the best parts about the book of Hebrews. Christ understands completely. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So, what do we do? By faith, we come to Christ for without Him we can do nothing. And we know that He's been through everything that we've gone through. Final truth this morning. The goal of faith. We've seen the, 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 the people The recipients, we've seen just the achievements and then how faith sustains us. Now finally, the goal. The answer is obvious. What is the goal of faith? Well, it is always the same. God and His promises. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Faith does not look to the things of this world, but to God and His promises. The examples of chapter 11, they received, when we think about them, Hebrews 11, those folks in, their, in our examples, they received some promises, okay? But they were still looking to God to, to, for God to fulfill these promises, but they had not received yet the Old Testament saints, They had not received yet the great promise of Christ and His Son in whom they would be saved. Now in the Old Testament, they were saved by faith as they look forward, to God fulfilling His promise, particularly in Christ, in whom all of God's promises are found. And it's absolutely amazing when we think about the people in, this, in, our, in our examples here in Hebrews 11, that uh, they believe, yet they didn't have the promises, they didn't have Christ yet. We have Christ, and we tend to have many of the same issues and problems that, that they have. But It's absolutely amazing that their, their faith was the same as ours. God commended their faith. Look at verses 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. The last part of this verse brings us us today, sitting here at Grace Baptist, into the equation with those of the Old Testament and the New Testament together. It says, they were made perfect with us. Now there's a lot here, and I'm not going to say a lot, because the book of Hebrews, we've preached on it a lot, about being made perfect and the, the rest that comes in Christ. But really what he's saying is that all of us are saved. They look forward, we look back by faith in who? Christ. We find our rest, we find our perfection in Him, and So in both cases, the goal of faith is Christ. His person, who He is, God in the flesh, His work, what He came to do to lay down His life as a sacrifice for sin. So faith is given by God to look unto Christ and be saved. So as we bring chapter 11 to an end, I hope we can all say, I hope that we can say, I know what faith is. I know what faith looks like. So when I step back and I try to take in all of what faith is in chapter 11, I think it may be summarized easily by thinking about faith from two perspectives to sum this up this morning and to sum up chapter 11. Here's the first perspective about faith to summarize it. We know what faith looks like. We got it. It's full of action both in the good and in the bad times. James, book of James, says this. If faith does not have good works, faith is what? Dead. There's our application. We know what it looks like. Here's our example. This is what we've seen in these examples. Faith does what is right. Faith <laughs> perseveres. Faith continues, even when faith does, does not understand. Faith is expects God to give help every day. Faith believes the promises of God and lives accordingly. Faith is evidenced by godliness in this life. We know what faith looks like, brothers and sisters. Beloved, we have no excuses. All we have to do is read the commands of Christ throughout the entire Bible. That's the first perspective to summarize it. We know what faith looks like. Second perspective. Faith comes from the heart. Faith is the powerful gift of God, which we've already looked at, that lives in the heart. So, what does faith do besides working? Faith loves God. Faith delights in Him. Which is also to say that Faith delights in the Son, who is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me, John 14, 1. And this brings us back to the promise of God in the gospel. All God's promises are fulfilled in the Son. And this is really what this little book of Hebrews is all about. And yes, yes, there are more promises to come. We do wait the new heavens, new earth. And yes, there are promises that we live by now that I haven't even talked about today. Particularly that Christ says, as you go today, make disciples. But he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And I will not leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the age. So with that in mind, I want to leave us with verses, our next verses for the next sermon next week. So look with me, and this is how we're finishing. Hebrews 12 One and two. This begins our great applications coming up in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is the ones we just spent 16 sermons on, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You again for this time on this Father's Day as we've gathered together again. Father, on this Sunday just to sing and pray and hear from Your Word. I pray that Your Word today would not fall on any deaf ears, that You would give me included great eyes of faith to see and ears of faith to hear Your Word, to love You, and to love your people, and to love the people of this world. So, Father, we give you this time, we give you these words, and we give you this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at ten. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.